0: she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aye, She's ready to go to the stars. is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Its mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I got it. And now, our host.
1: This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcast where you go through all the portals in the Prime platform and you go, wait, we went from jungle to desert to a place with laser pistols and barbarians? Yes. Tonight we are continuing our series of Adding Fringeworthy 2 with the Galarian setting for the Pathfinder role-playing game. Of course, this is the property of Paizo. That says it all for me, folks. i would be like seeing this big, blue-skinned, white-haired, 30-foot-tall being going, would you like some frozen meat? I had a big breakfast, so I'm going to go now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, this particular world, yeah, far, far north, very cold, very Arctic, very Nordic-looking. And let's see, now, Portal 8, the cool, muddy hillside, I put that in Amon's Ustalov. Now again, Ustalav is the Ravenloft Gothic-looking nation, and she's cringing every time I say Ravenloft. It's because... Ustalav is due west from Numeria, so there is a chance that you might see a bit of tech floating around, but basically, let's see... Oh yeah, it's directly in the center of that nation, just north of what the the Hungry Mountains. How can you lose with a name like that? Uh, but I yeah, don't basically, want to you're, those. basically you're basically you're going to come out onto a cemetery and a road and leads to another cemetery and then you find the guy, you know, screaming at you in the Swedish dialect and the Swedish. You know, you can just say that the Swedish. Dialect, that's hand waving there. Let's see, Ustav. Let's get. Languages common, scald, and Varesean. You can just have one of those as sounding Swedish. Probably the scald language. Um, cursed with a history of tragedy and faded glory, the immortal principality of Ustalab clings to its legendary past even as it struggles to forget centuries of horrors. From the frog-shrouded cliffs of Lake Encarton to the tangled maze of the Shutterwood, this fractious nation bears an infamous reputation as a place of birth and rebirth for tyrants. And now, Amans.
0: I wouldn't say Swedish. I would more, I would say, you know, something from Transylvania.
1: <laughs> A land of misshrouded valleys and jagged mountains, Amans lies in the shadow of menace. The country's relatively few residents largely occupy the lands around Lake Kava Pesta, huddled near the border with civilized Ardeal. From their lowland homes, they spread ancient tales of the hundred haunted vales of the hungry mountains and of the strange whispers and hunting dead that stalk the Gorsha Passage. Yes, Ustalov, very gothic-looking place. You're going to be getting that translate. You're going to be looking around for vampires and stuff here, folks. You're going to be looking, okay. And orcs,
0: from the sounds and of And
1: orcs, yeah. You're going to be fine. It, it's a very rough-and-tumble place. This is going to be another one of them quiet places that people don't... Yeah, they're quiet. They don't talk much.
0: No, we don't talk much here because the the horrors that come to visit us.
1: (laughs) As you're saying this to somebody in 21st century garb with a automatic rifle on their back, yeah.
0: No, many like you have come here, armed with even better weapons than that, and they have not many
1: do not leave. Yes,
0: many do not leave.
1: Yeah, the. But yeah, uh, Uslav is split into three parts Savoyda, the Palatinates, and Virlich.
0: Kazintite. Yeah, thank
1: you. I got to watch that. I can't be sick for counting the cob. Um, yeah, Savoyda is where Amans is. Now, Amans is about 420 miles west southwest of Starfall. Now, in maybe a month, there might be some of the, uh, the technology leaking from Numeria there. You might find something a little out of place here in a gothic setting.
0: Is that near Carrion Hill? Not sure.
1: Let me look in the book.
0: I'm looking at the map that shows Carrion Hill, which is close to Numeria.
1: Let's see. Amans?
0: How is that spelt?
1: A-M-A-A-N-S. It's actually a region.
0: Ah, <clears throat> that's why it's not showing up.
1: Yeah. It's not a city. It's it's a more of a region within Savoida. So, yeah, it's just in the foothills of the Hungry Mountains there. You might find a little village nearby... And, you know, you get these scared people, you know, looking like...
0: It looks like the nearest, the nearest big city is actually in Lastwall, Vigil. Because you got the capital city of Ustalav of Caliphus. and you go up the river, and there's Vigil near northern Fangwall, Fangwood. Right next to the Hungry Mountains.
1: wow, that's a better map than when I got here. Wow.
0: Yeah, there's the first fork, then there's the second fork of the Path River. Like I said, it's a it's a sort of a Google map. It doesn't get much detail. Basically, they take, take another map and sort of...
1: Yeah. But yeah, you're going to be getting that gothic vibe coming here and just... So a, as you see... Just from the massive amounts of disparity between tech levels, if, as you're popping in and out of these eight portals, yeah, you're going from PL0 to PL7 on this world. The predominant culture, though, is PL2, Medieval Age. So, yeah, and of course you have magic thrown into the mix, which means on this node, magic works. Now if you have a practicing mage in your party which I would think by the late campaign you would want to have somebody at least knowledgeable in magic maybe can you know maybe a first level wizard he stopped by the Bureau 13 world or something and you know Colonel Talbot had him train you might want somebody to do some finger wiggling every time you go through a portal or enter a node and say oh yeah, magic works here, I detect magic, you know, it works, I didn't detect anything, but I know the spell worked. This guy would be at least, say, okay, well, this spell is this, this spell is this, this device is this. And so as you go through these various portals, you're going to find disparities. I mean, it's a very rich, vibrant world with a wide range of cultures. Now, the alt platform has its eight listed on that page. The system platform, I just basically used Earth Prime as an example, which has Titan, Io, two Venus, three Mars, and then Ceres, the biggest asteroid in our asteroid belt. Now, there is a book called Distant Worlds. It is by James L. Sutter, and it tells of what is in Galarian's System. Now, Venus would be equivalent to Castorvel the Green. Put this book away. Portal 1, I made actually Portal 1, Portal 2 are similar to Titan and Io. Now, Portal 1 would take you to a moon of Berthetta.
0: Yeah, Bertha the Cradle.
1: Yep. Yeah. To the moon of it's an ice moon, Mahoy. The most heavily populated world orbiting Calo Mahoy keeps its people and cities hidden, showing outside observers only a blue white field of blank and brilliant ice. Titan is pretty much an ice moon if you look it up on Wikipedia.
0: Uh, Titan is actually, you're thinking more of Ganymede. Or Callisto.
1: Oh, beneath this crust, however, the ocean planet, miles, deep seas, teem with light, both familiar and bizarre. Along with the unintelligent beasts, glowing blinkfish, seal headed Orbigati Dahu, 20 leg crabs, easily domesticated giant seahorses, and tubeworms capable of capturing and debarring a terrestrial whale, the world also plays home to the Callow, a distinctly peaceful and civilized race of aquatic scholars and poets. Somewhat bat shaped yeah i I'm seeing him here. It's sort of green with bat wings, he's holding a spear, well, not bat wings, it's sort of like giant glider wings, like a
0: ray, they're basically like a ray, but they has has extra arms, basically oh no?
1: well yeah, it's got it it's got the primate physiology of two arms, two legs, but it's got the glider membranes, and that's what helps it swim ah, okay, uh. So yeah, you would be coming out on most likely.
0: On the surface. Yeah,
1: yeah, you'd be on the surface and it's
0: unless of course they found the portal and they put it in some sort of bubble.
1: Yeah. Well, there are air bubble spells, so I mean they could do that. It'd be their own version of electrostatic barrier. In that case, you would be in one of this, one of the uh, Callow cities. Their cities are beautiful and delicate things that seem almost organic in nature and frequently incorporate local creatures and polyp colonies into their structures. Yeah, so sort of a natural biotech.
0: So it also sounds like, yeah, you go down there with scuba gears or or some sort of uh, high-tech fancy rebreather gear because they don't breathe the air.
1: Well, the thing is, this is an Arctic, it's an
0: ice-covered ocean world but if it's if it's if it's like what we think it may actually in the deeper depths be a lot warmer due to tidal you know tidal interactions it be a, you know basically it's the reason why there's water is because well tide, the tides keep it nice and warm in the depths oh okay so, yeah so basically they'll, they'll be you mentioned hydrothermal vents i think on that world i believe yeah
1: probably okay let's see now the second portal would be going to Osoro, a moon of Leovara, the Dreamer. Osoro. On many moons, a lack of atmosphere is the primary barrier to life and colonization. Yet on Osoro, it is the atmosphere itself that is the greatest danger. A rocky mountainous planet, Osoro's surface is covered in a thick layer of deadly gases anywhere from a few dozen feet to half a mile thick, produced by a combination of sulfuric gas vents and the breathing of whole jungles of poisonous plants. Yeah, the atmosphere light would be on. It's like, yeah, this is poisonous.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the at the Wikipedia. It says, poisonous, lower atmosphere, oxygen-rich, upper atmosphere. Oh, it's Venus. Yeah. Without the heat. <laughs> oh, so it must be floating cities up there, then.
1: Uh, above this layer, the peaks and slopes of tall hills and mountains protrude like islands in the sea, stretching forth into the safe, oxygen-rich air of the upper strata. It is on these high redoubts that the residents, believed to be naturalized colonists from Arcanon, make their homes traveling between peaks on incredibly long rope bridges and skillfully riding the winds on iron gliders and magical beasts.
0: Okay, so it's. Oh, okay, so use a reference you probably. I don't know if everyone will get, but it's it's uh, uh, Mount Look at That from Larry Niven's uh, s- series. Basically, Mount Look at That is a very tall, size of California mesa above, basically, Venus. Okay. It's in the atmosphere where you can breathe. You know.
1: <laughs> all right, now the next three portals all go, or the next two portals go to Castroville, which Castorvel would be equivalent to Venus. Because it is the second, Castorvel the Green. Now, the portal three would go to the largest city on Castroville, which is Cabaret. Spelled with a Q. Cabaret. Not all of the Lashunta city-states are created equal. By far the most impressive of these is Cabaret, the shining jewel of the Western Sea. Positioned in the break where the Yarrow River cuts through the sea cliffs, Cabaret is instantly recognizable by its smooth white walls, 50 feet high and encrusted along every inch with shining mosaics made from crushed shells. Bordered by sea cliff, river, and fertile fields and jungles, Cabaret is both highly defensible and perfectly positioned for trade by water. This positioning as a, as a trade nexus is only enhanced by the fact that the city contains four special Ayudara as well as a highly guarded gate leading to and from Akaton. Acaton is would be equivalent to Mars. So you're coming here and it is a massive trading city. It is a port city. It is one with a portal leading to another planet. <coughs> So these people might have a tech level due to magic, at least PL4, if not higher.
0: Yeah, and reading up on the uh, Lashunta, which are humanoid inhabitants of the planet Castravel, basically there's a massive sexual dimorphism. This is basically the, uh, it's, what's the best way to describe it? Remember um, 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 Myth Conceptions by by, by, Asp- by, by Robert Asprin? I've heard of it. Where basically there's the trolls and trollops. And the trolls look like trolls and trollops. Well, the name gives away what they look like. (laughs) And looking here, uh, Lashuna women look like idealized humans or elves. And the men are basically dwarves.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at them now, yeah.
0: They are, and, and from the looks of the pictures, they have hands in uni- in gracefully positioned in, in in the pitch. At least one picture. the Lashuna woman has her hands artfully positioned, so you can't, you don't realize that. Oh, she's walking around here and in the all together, Yeah, but she is wearing a bikini bottom, though.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's a matriarchal uh, society. Yep. Basically, they're they're warriors. The men are just the warriors, but uh, most Lashunta instead highly value scholarship and the thirst for knowledge, particularly lauding the arcane classes for the high degree of intellectual stamina they require. So men are strong but brash and unobservant. Women, though beautiful and commanding, lack the male's rugged build. So male Lashunta get a plus two strength, minus two wisdom. Female Lashunta plus two charisma, minus two con.
0: Actually, reading in the Wikipedia, they sort of disagree with that. They say the protection of their settlements fall to the Lashunta women.
1: Yeah, patriarchal society, yes. Yeah,
0: and the men are actually the, are the ones who, well, okay, this sounds, yeah. Um, they The male are just as smart as women just because they're short, but they have an insatiable thirst for knowledge. Wow, okay.
1: They all get a plus two intelligence, and then the other penalties and bonuses are due to gender, yeah. But yeah, the um so Castorbell, no, this this Cabaret extremely vibrant trade city. And it would be a portal there. It would be another portal. Problem is it would not be a magical portal. They'd be sitting there trying to cast a tech magic on it. It's like, no, it's not magic, yet it is a portal.
0: Okay, here's a question. Um when when, when when did Avatar come out? James Cameron movie, like about
1: maybe few, four. you mean the
0: Blue monkeys. Yeah. Because I'm looking at the fact that the uh, the the Lashu Warmers form a close telepathic bonds with their Chotelashu mounts. That sounds awful familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah. Ba- right. ba- basically, imagine imagine a uh, a big big. Big tooth, toothy lizard with big claws on his feet.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing the picture here in on page 13 of Distant World, yeah. I don't have to imagine, I've seen those, things to my ta- those types of things too many times. Okay, the other portal on Castorbell is in the city of El. In a fertile valley near Soyvirian's geographical center lies the nation's capital and heart, the great city of El. The first thing the visitor of the city notices is the great houses, rambling neighborhood-sized structures that climb the cliff walls to either side of the city's majestic waterfall, and which house the most important families and government officials. Yeah, apparently Castorbell is a very civilized world, and you're going to be getting just this grand, grand vision of just fantastic architecture, And trade and culture when you go to either go through either of these portals.
0: Well, from the looks of one picture I see, it looks also very they build inside trees as well. It looks very cross between an Ewok village and the uh, family tree in an Avatar. (laughs) Yeah, the home tree. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. uh, Let's see. Portal. 5, 6, and 7 all go to Akaton, which would be equivalent to Mars.
0: And, of course, the natives there, from the one picture I see, have the appropriate number of arms for Martians. <laughs> uh, the Shobod, I think it is.
1: Well, let's see. Portal 5 goes to Aral, a plateau city. Positioned on a rocky plateau far above an ancient seabed, the great city of Aro looks out over its holdings, impregnable and majestic. It is from here that the free peoples of the high plateau, primarily humanoid and ruled by a prince like leader called the Thurok, eke out a hard existence farming where they can, defending themselves as necessary, and watching alien blood sports in the coliseum known as the Crimson Forum. Dominating the, city, the center of the city is an immense 500 foot tall red pyramid, and is from the portal at the monuments top that the city's most distinctive quality arises. Long ago, powerful figures from ancient Aslan emerged from the portal and subjugated the locals who believed the newcomers to be gods. In the generations since, few new beings have come through the portal. Yet the language of the free people remains a heavy accident form of ancient Aslanti, and the city officially considers itself an outpost of the Empire of Aslan. Any creatures who might enter the city from the top of the portal, such as by locating the hidden portal in the maze of the open road in Galarian's nation of Galt, are soon to be new incarnations of these gods and immediately named Thurox. Yet such paths must be trod carefully, for the three people still remember the barbarism and enslavement of their past, and those gods who may slip up may find themselves torn apart by their faithful. <coughs> Excuse me. This portal would be outside of the city, but let's face it, you would see these people and they would go, oh, look, more Thurox.
0: Oh, yeah, we should mention that the travel between worlds is primarily by portals. Yeah, there are some spaceships, but I don't. But they're you know. they don't
1: really talk about them. They're just mentioned. And you can you can find a bunch of third party stuff and make aether ships or whatever. Usually, it's through magic, either spell or portal, that you get around the Galarian solar system. Or in this case, with this addition I made. The French portals, I mean.
0: Oh, here's, now here's something I'm looking at here because it, 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 it is, unfortunately, the link that doesn't go anywhere. The Maze of the Open Road. That's the, sec, that's the, the one from, uh, that's one in R, uh, Ari from Galt. What is the Maze of the Open Road? Is that in Galt?
1: Yeah, the Glaren's Nation of Galt. Let me get back to the inner world guide here, the inner sea guide, Galt. G-A-L-T, Galt.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's see if I can find the maze of the open road. That sounds like some pla- like like some place that y- you can get lost in. Well, yeah. Um, Galt, where was Galt again? h seventy. No, no, I'm looking h- in the map to see. Uh... Oh, there's Galt. Mm. Dread Dungeons. Nope. Woods Edge, Isarn. Oh, ah,
1: Here we go. It is
0: near Woods Edge. Yes. Ah, by the by, the Five Kings Mountains. sprawling
1: rear gardens hold the le- near legendary maze of the open road. A living hedge saying to contain portals leading to locations all of the inner sea and beyond.
0: Mm. That's true. Uh, from reading up, reading, reading up on this, uh, a lot of there are a lot. Of, you know, you don't. There's no making the great trek across the world. You go, go, you go, you go to a major city, and you look for, and you find where the portal is. Yeah. And you go, and there you are. <laughs> yep. Okay,
1: the final portal leading to Akaton. Well, no, there's Arl, there's Morrow, and the Hive Market. Morrow, city of the trench. Running like a great scratch along Akaton's equator is the Ideo Rift, sometimes known as the Rift of the Scar. Three miles deep and thousands of miles long it is a canyon without parallel. In some places, so wide that its bottom almost forms a plane and others er, er, so narrow that the bottom is shrouded in constant darkness. Though many have built their homes and settlements on the floor, or burrowed in the walls of safety, the large city makes use of natural wonder wonders. Morrow
0: yeah. makes me wonder that you could probably can use a map of Mars for this place.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Morrow, you can have the the warp in the city down an alley because it's it's broken up into newer and older districts. It says. You could put the warp in this city and just, you know, out of out of back alley and, oh, look, you know. Oh,
0: well, remember, the warp's 25 feet across. So it's going to be in a fairly large... Uh, it has to be in a large open area with, the, with enough headroom, so... It, Probably be in like a little back, a little mark, little because the, if if these cities follow the normal pattern for for cities. There's always like a little, little um, common area between lots of little buildings. Yeah, the open space, or it could even be on top of a building. Yeah, so you drive out in your Jeep and go, kunk, kunk, Oh my god, <laughs> you know, you're on top of a building, four stories up. What are you gonna do now? I don't know. <laughs>
1: Okay, and the, the final uh, portal seven, the Hive Market. Less a city than a giant bazaar, the Hive Market rests atop the eastern foot of Mount Ka. Here, merchants of all races and nations meet to trade without the taxes or influence any particular city of ruler. The market itself is a half above ground and half in an ancient tunnel network that appears to have been formed naturally from the volcano's prehistoric lava flows. Though the, through the marketplace swim the incorporeal ghost things called Kulan. Large-headed and glossy-eyed with two arms and bodies that trail away to nothing, these silent guardians protect the markets and keep them independent, doing nothing to affect even the most heinous trade or business deal, but immediately descending in a ghostly pack on those who attempt to secure influence over the market via force or violence. Yeah, in other words, you'll see slave trade, you'll see all sorts of heinous stuff, weird, you know, freaky things, but if you sit there and try to say, I'm running this place... These kulon will come down on you and bring a world of pain. You try to interfere with the trade. As long as yeah. it, it's all about the art of the deal here.
0: I'm looking at one of the creatures. This um, I look at Ekaton Ak-t- and I see the Kank. I'm looking at it going. Oh dear God! Demixie comes here and he goes. Okay, I don't want to mess with that. But they may, may, they may mistake your Demixie as well as your beast, as your writing beast. Because so there's the mix of going get off me. Yeah, because yeah. the kank are basically large beetles.
1: Oh. Okay, portal eight on this world, or in the the system platform. Nesis, the biggest asteroid in the Diaspora, which is their equivalent of the asteroid belt. Now let's get to. Yes. Nisus, the largest asteroid in the diaspora, which would be the equivalent of our asteroid series. Nisus is the only dwarf planet large enough to have formed into a sphere under its own gravity. Between a crust of ice and a clay core lies an ocean of liquid water that accounts for most of the planetoids 600-mile diameter and masses more fresh water than could be found in all of Galarian. On its surface, the coldest region, Nisus is a chilly 30 below degrees Fahrenheit, yet still quite manageable with a simple inter-element spell. Unlike the Creech world's Nisus' environment is naturally occurring. Early on, the people that would become the Sarcissians rejoiced over its discovery and set about transferring their those aquatic members of that collective to the spacious sea.
0: So it's another one with an underground sea then. Okay. Yeah. Or under icy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, still gonna be cold.
1: Yeah. Problem is thirty below. Yeah, that's not that's still within survivable human range, sorta.
0: Twelve minutes, fifteen minutes, and then you pretty much pretty much pass out.
1: And you, you go through well, if you send the wind up through it's gonna show that it's cold as
0: all get out there.
1: You're like, okay, oh, get get that's the whole point of doing it
0: first place. Yeah. Yeah, and Aaron goes, Yeah, we're not going there. <laughs> They're not. I mean, basically, that coal you 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 need special you need Arctic gear for that,
1: right? Well, I think again by late campaign you're going to have pretty much okay. We have desert gear, we have Arctic gear, and you just you're there on the jeep or whatever, and you just get it out before you go there. Oh,
0: well, if it's if it's late campaign, you may actually go. Oh, we need to bring out the the. uh the Terman and the Tramellon, uh, uh, environmental suits. They go no. It, it the one keep the, that one keeps talking to my ear. <laughs> you know, it keeps whispering at me. I think it likes me or something.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so that that is pretty much how I plotted out the Galarian. Campaign setting and the solar system.
0: So i'll I'll ask I'll ask the Bruce question. Uh, so why would you need to come here, and why would they actually have relations with these people?
1: Well, obviously magic, which always you're going to want to learn about magic because magic may you know I mean yeah magic is kind of uniform. Problem is it may work differently than it does on the Bureau Thirteen world. Also the unique amount of and diversity of races. And of course if you go through the Numerian portal or one of the ones close high technology. Because even if you drag the laser pistol or the powered armor back through the portal, yeah you burned out the battery but take but that, that back that and it could be reverse engineered. Yeah, you can take it apart so it works.
0: Well, the biggest thing to take apart would be the power supply which may not be take a partable, because obviously this universe has different laws. I mean, magic works here. Let's be honest. Magic yeah. works here, therefore the laws aren't going to be the same, and therefore it, even though it's technological, there's going to be a little bit of magic to help stick all that energy into that little coin-sized battery. I mean, let's be honest, if, if you're talking a coin-sized battery that can allow you to do bolt-level damage with laser beams, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the weapons right now. Um... Don't sh- don't do anything to that battery because it has a n- it has an explosive force of about a stick of TNT.
1: I don't remember seeing the rules saying if you destroy a battery, what would happen to it. I, I don't remember
0: seeing rules for that. Yeah, uh, well, that's because people don't think about it. They think about normal batteries. No, when you have that much energy in them, batteries are dangerous. <laughs>
1: It's like
0: what it's like what happens when you try and put too much energy into a overload well, yeah. thing. And it goes. Yeah. Either they're using some. It's, this, this that sort of, that sort of semi. It, it's built to contain that amount yeah. of energy, but if you were to try to take it apart, you would end up unleashing that in a. Bad way, other volatile way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's look at what's happened with uh, the the, uh, and this will date this podcast. Uh, the current th- the current problems with the uh, the the lithium batteries, in um, in the Galaxy Nine phones. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's just and that's just in a barely not even a uh hundred uh how many watts it is. It's barely if just a few hundred watts or you know, a few watts of power. Imagine something that has basically a couple hundred thousand kilowatts of power in it. <laughs> you know, that's kind of dangerous, but uh you know that's so I'm saying that, yeah, this is those worlds where you yeah, thank you be thankful the battery short out. If the battery was left intact and then it and then the eighteen X eighteen hour platex effect went away. It has to do something with all that energy it can't hold.
1: Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's GM Fiat. If you're going to make it where that tech only works on that node, then fine. It's just going to go, and that's it.
0: Now, I'd say it would probably also work on the BR-13 universe, because they also have weird weapons and stuff like that. So, any place, and you know, so... See, I, I just see this as high tech. I would be like... I, I try, unfortunately, uh, it's, 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 it's space opera tech, which is not Earth Prime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's you know. Let's be honest, you know, when you start getting into la- you know, laser pistols, which don't look like the- basically someone said, "Here's what a laser pistol looks like." You, look, you know, I looked at it and said, "It looks like a like an old fashioned movie camera." Yeah, because you need a lens that big to focus the laser beam. You know, it's it, it basically when someone works out the pr- practically what a laser should look like. A laser pistol should look like it doesn't look anything like anyone would think a laser pistol would look like. They carter around like a bazooka. Yeah, a laser rifle or something like that would be about the same, but you know. But then again, you know, like you said, it's up to the GM. If the GM wants to have laser pistols work on Earth Prime, go right ahead. We're not going to say no. I'm just pointing out that means then Space Opera works on Earth Prime, then that opens. That opens up a lot of things. Then, in that case. Well, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but I'm also thinking about, uh, you know, because this I, I was thinking about this. There are actually some things in this world that work just fine on Earth Prime, even though they might take might need magic to create, like mithril. Mithril's not magical. If you do a cat detect magic, it doesn't detect unless it's been enchanted but it's harder than steel. And I would say, yo, you look at it go, it's harder than st- it's 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 uh, it's it's light no no it's hard as steel, but it's lighter. Oh my, okay, how do you make this stuff? Oh, well, this- we take it to the dwarves over here or the elves over here and they do this and that and that and you look at it and you go, "Can you make it in large plates?" Cuz it's lighter than aluminum. Mithril the best
1: way I describe because mithril, what they say is, yeah, it's half as it it weighs half as much as iron steel, but also has the anti lycanthropic qualities of silver.
0: Yeah, it's 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 an alloy, and yeah, the,
1: it, 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 it would have to be.
0: And when it gets, and take it back to Earth Prime, they'll put it in the old the X ray uh, crystallog- crystallography machine and they look at the crystal and they go, We can't make that unless we use the machine we're looking at, unless we use one of those uh, atom atom machines They can pick up atoms and move them by one by one. And I don't doubt even then we can make this crystal. We can't make this crystal on our world right now. This is impossible. This metallic crystal is impossible for well, us I to make. I think
1: Mithril is actually... It's it's an ore. It's a straight-up ore. It's not an alloy. Uh, for... Okay, well... I can go get Ultimate Equipment and look up what they...
0: Yeah, I'm looking right now. It says Mithril's magnetic. The same... What the hell is that? What the heck? Pardon me? Sorry, Bruce. What the heck is that word? Uh, Oh, silver. Okay, silver effects. Okay. And my
1: protege grabs...
0: It's under special materials. Yeah, so... Would
1: you believe I opened it right to that page?
0: Bam! Oh, here you go. And there's also a link to Wikipedia. Everyone's favorite place.
1: (laughs) The font of all wisdom and knowledge. Wikipedia, yeah. Okay, uh, rare silvery metal that is lighter than steel but just as hard. Yeah, it's not saying it's an alloy. It is its actual own material
0: was this mineral, right?
1: Rare silvery metal. Metal. Oh, that is lighter than steel but just as hard. It would be along the lines of something not yet found on our periodic table.
0: No, cuz if it's lighter than steel that means it's 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 delivery that lighter than steel. So it doesn't even occur in our periodic table. Therefore, yep. Thank you. It uh, what is it? What happened to it? It just vanished. That's a magic metal. And in that case, it's, it, it's existence depends on magic. Cause, you know, if it's lighter than steel, it means, you know, you're not making it out of a transuranic element. That thing would be heavy as all get out. You know, it basically, uh, any any of the stable transveilic elements would be heavier. Th- you know, we're talking the density of... Like Neutronium-type stuff, It'd yeah. be really heavy, yeah.
1: Okay, basically, from what I see then, it wouldn't be so much that it takes magic to make. It just would have to be able to exist in a high-mana environment. So, therefore, since Earth Prime magic does not work there,
0: yeah... Just, either well, would go away or just turn to something. It would probably, probably trans- aluminum, aluminum or silver, either one. Which means it also gets heavy, or, or or turn or basically, I hate to say this, it turn to whatever metal. It's one half the weight of uh, of iron. So let's look at the old periodic table and see what that is. Okay. <laughs> oh god, let's see.
1: Uh, my, I am not the hard scientist. I'm more a social science thing. So, yeah, John and when Blix was here, they usually are, are, are science geeks.
0: So, let's see. Iron has... Density... 7.87 grams per centimeter squared. Okay, where does that put it on the old table? Let's look at the old periodic table. All right. Uh, okay, so there's there's Iron there'd be 13 oh you were right aluminum is half the weight of iron wow you got that in you got that in one
1: <laughs> i it just occurred to me it's like the best and i'm reading when i as i said i got it here in uh, ultimate equipment and i'm reading this i go it's aluminum and just somehow mana gives it the ability to also act as silver.
0: Okay, you know what?
1: I.e., it affects lycanthropes, werewolves, and
0: whatnot. If it's aluminum, we can work with this. It's aluminum, technically, but aluminum would, But there's a magical property to it from this world, but still aluminum. But it's aluminum that has a metallic crystalline structure that we can't make... We can't create here on Earth uh, on Earth Prime, not yet anyway, until we get They'd under-
1: be looking and going, It's aluminum, but it's not aluminum.
0: Yeah. It, All the, intents
1: and it, purposes aluminum, but it's like a different route was made to make it.
0: Yeah. The Chris the, the crystalline f- structure of of this aluminum is something we can't we you would need a nanoforge to make. Where you actually playing with individual atoms and game into the structure. We can't do it with a normal there are normal forging methods. Dude, that would be high PL seven approaching PL eight. Yeah, but you, but they but it's made by elves. <laughs> it's worked by elves, and so it's like they go, we want more of this because you know what? We can you know, imagine you know it's it's aluminum, but it, it's big, basically it's it, you can make you can make tanks out of it, and it's they're out of aluminum, aluminum tanks. They're really light, get better gas mileage, and they have the same well ballistic properties as iron steel tanks
1: a mithril tank i now folks i can probably say i've been gaming about 10 years less than john and bruce have i'm approaching 40 years as far as my gaming a mithril tank yep oh (laughs) i i i i i i i I, i like it but it also scares the hell out of me—a mithril tank—and it would be really funny if Blix was here because he designs military vehicles for a living. He would be going off on this right now. He'd be—this would be like a jazz rip for him, you know this.
0: Oh, the other thing you could do with it too is because you can make you can make thinner and stronger uh, fuel tanks and other other things. Basically, uh, you know how thin aluminum cans are. Imagine them—imagine them even thinner. Basically, getting on getting onto like foil levels, but they're not foil because you can't. Cr- it, it, basically, this, st-
1: yeah. A normal can. John, I pull gas tanks on a daily basis at my job. I would pray to have light gas tanks. Some of these things, if you set them on end, are taller than I am, and anything, and I have to. Anything to make it light, my job anything, easier. Anything yes. to make your job easier. I like that plan. I would be proud to be a part of that plan. I can yeah. get behind this plan. <laughs> I can get by in
0: this plan. Uh then we have one of the sky medals. And you know everyone's favorite metal starts with the letter A. Adamantine.
1: Ah uh, yes. Oh no, there's another in the in the technology guide they have the seven sky medals. One of them get over here. Uh Sky Metal. Let me get back to that because
0: Oh my goodness. Digit, or quick iron, it is a rust, rust red metal found only in liquid state, no matter what the temperature. That's definitely magic.
1: Well, yeah. Oh, no, there's... Um, I mean, I need to find the metals here, the...
0: i got the list right here. So we have Abyssium Feverstone, stone, a uh, blue-green stone that glows... A great deal of energy found within it. It also sickens those who spend a time around it. Okay, uh, it's radium. Um, <laughs> radium's blue green when it glows. Uh, Abyssium is rumored to have certain mystical properties as portals to the. Okay, that's definitely a magic metal.
1: Um, you do know what aurichalcum basically would be?
0: Yeah, they misspelled it too. Brass. Oh yeah, I think I heard that
1: compared to that before. Yeah, well, because the Plato Plato was saying that Atlantis, everything was made of orichalcum.
0: Basically, it's brass. Now here they spell they spell it with an H. You know, so even though it's pronounced exactly the same, orcalium, or orichalium is uh, it's it starts with a letter O. But yeah, still, yeah. know, Horicalium. Uh, hor-
1: Horicalcum, yeah. The rarest of the known sky metals, is this dull, coppery substance warps timer on it, making things, things seem to speed up or slow down. Almost never found in amounts greater than a pound. Horicalcum is the same weight and density as skill, steel, but is much more durable. A weapon made from it gains a plus one circumstance bonus on attack rolls. Ammo can be made of it, but doesn't grant any bonus on attack rolls. Entire suit of armor for this metal is fantastically expensive, but since a suit of it simultaneously allows the wearer to perceive time at a slower rate and thus react more quickly, some consider
0: the cost justifiable. Yeah, it's, ma- it's a- another magic metal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in u in Ubrix is said to pass through iron steel as those capable of phasing in our re- reality. Nearly as soft as lead is the softest solid sky metal. Okay. I'm not sure what you can use it for. If it passes through material, or if it—oh, it passes through iron and steel. Make bullets out of it. <laughs> Phasing bullets? Yeah. Wear that iron armor. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I want that armor. I don't want it to hurt. <laughs> so yeah, um,
1: there are—excuse <clears throat> me. Wow. Mm. There are reasons why a Unita IDET would want to check out this world. Not only the biodiversity and the rich spectrum of cultures, but also metals, technology. And as I said, it's a wide range. This this planet goes from hunter-gatherers in the Mwangi expanse to people using PL7 nanotech. And, as I said, this world negative 107 prime, you wouldn't be finding this until the late campaign anyways. So as you would be getting here, you would Earth Prime would already be getting into p l seven, very early p l seven, which is the gravity age, which means like governments would start having anti-grav technology, possibly space travel. Because remember, in the Fringeworthy canon, you have NASA, their slogan became outer space for the rest of us. Because Fringeworthy, they could just go on the fringe paths, boom. They're on Mars in, you know, two hours. NASA had to take spacecraft designs found in other worlds, make them, and then get to Mars the old-fashioned way.
0: Get to Mars! I'm dropping a certain word yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, I'm just looking at. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, just in terms of adamantine, um, yeah, you can make armor out. That's 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 silly. Um, we got actually probably just as good armor. No, I'd make ball bearings out of it.
1: Oh no, um, <laughs> no. Our no. one gamer who is on hiatus due to his job right now. He's in Boston. Um. He will once he gets the money. He makes adamantine ammo. Yeah, it's like sixteen hundred gold pieces a shot, but that shot will bypass any damage reduction or hardness less than twenty, like it's nothing.
0: I'm thinking the industrial of the industrial uses. Can you imagine having bearings on your on your on your vehicles that basically lasts a hundred times longer? Oh yeah. You know, and things like that. I mean, basically, because it's really expensive. So you use it for things that have a lot of wear. Usually yeah. for small. So bearings and so forth and. Uh,
1: Gears and yeah.
0: And it does. And it is a. Uh, is it a magnet? The properties. Is it magnetic? I don't think adamantine's considered ferrous. Let me look. Yep, it is. The metal is magnetic. Uh. I was gonna say they've used that before, like that. So yeah, I mean, just think about you know, we're you know we're a metal that, that basically, I would imagine amantine is it's a sky metal, so it's probably some weird weird alloy because it you know. Well, alloys could be
1: made, you know, of just some well because it mined from rocks that fell from the heavens. Two massive masses could have collided, and fused them in under incredible heat to make this new alloy.
0: Well, actually, reading up, re- reading some of the stuff in here, the 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 big starship re- rem- remnant in, in Starfall, it's made out of anim- animantine.
1: Well, the Androphans had that level of technology. Yeah, they could have made an animantine starship, and it was like nothing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it could be that a lot of stuff is basically. Whatever caused all these starships to fall, there's a lot more. F- these are actually starship fragments coming down, raining from the sky.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That it, it was. Yeah. They, they even said in all the various books and everything. Yeah. that The ship broke apart and just littered the landscape in Numeria.
0: Yeah. And it says it's still falling, though. I mean, I was just reading through here. It says still, it still falls. You'll still get occasional fall of adamantine. So elsewhere in the world but mostly in this one area when it first crashed but it's still adamantine fault around up there yeah but yeah I mean it's something you know you know it's it's a really it's just, it doesn't say how hard though how hard it is because it cut through steel well okay so diamond but I have a feeling that-
1: adamantine as I said the rules for adamantine is it will buy bi- an adamantine weapon will bypass any damage reduction or hardness 20 or less so if you have something that has damage reduction 25 which would be incredibly powerful. Okay, fine. It would act as if it has dr 5. Adamantine daggers in my campaigns. Oh no, we have um the um Anthony, Anthony Custer playing a samurai in this K setting, this fantasy 1710 Fort Pontchartrain setting that our co-host Jen Matthews and I put together uh, wants to make an adamantine katana. Actually, it's doing so. Yeah, in the process of doing it, and yeah, we're just not. This is going to be a very,
0: very dangerous start. So yeah, for the other stuff he wants right, to. Right. Yeah, but of all the sky metals, this is the one thing that doesn't sound like it's it's magical. In nature, what adamantine, yeah. So, of all the sky metals, all, 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 all the other ones, I mean, other than the absi- a- abyssian, which sounds more like radium than anything else. Um, uh, well, actually, no, the other one, what was the other one? Uh, I saw the other one that sounded interesting, and that was not uh, knock or no qual, how you pronounce it, probably no qual, no qual is a pale green crystal, but it can be forged like iron. Hmm. Not sure what the, what exactly it is. Uh, yeah. oh, so it's, it's definitely associated with magic, so it's another magic metal. So the only thing here that's not, actually not associated with magic is, of course, hemantine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would imagine ma- hemantine is some sort of re- really weird alloy... Um it can be alloyed with iron. So that tells me right there, okay. Hmm. It's some sort of alloy. It's probably it doesn't give a weight for it, so I'm imagining it's probably at the very least, it's probably just as because it's using for weapons, it probably weighs as much as steel. So some uh some weird alloy um that was created uh that can be alloyed with steel to make Numerian steel, which is not as good uh, Gla- uh glau or glokite, how you want to pronounce it, which is a um, a, a alloy of iron and amantian. Uh, uh, yeah, and that's actually what they mean by Numarian steel. So yeah, so whatever amantian is, I would say it's some some strange alloy that could be s- used on, on on other worlds and not have its lose its properties again. It's you know something we can't make because it requires something like a nanoforge to, to to Yeah, I'm create. not seeing
1: any weight difference but with steel.
0: Yeah. So it's some sort of uh this in this case they might be using carbon. So it's a carbon. Well, if,
1: well, John, if it can cut through anything of DR or hardness twenty or less, if you're having a adamantine sword, if it can cut through that type of DR, maybe there's some quality about it that makes it Really easily, it it like becomes naturally monofilament.
0: Well, the only thing I can think of that that would do that, and this is something that we we we're we're, pre- we're working with right now, and that's a um, graphene metal sandwich. You do a, you do a layer of metal, then you do a layer of graphene, then you do a layer of metal, and it becomes much stronger because the the graphene provides. The tensile strength you need while the metal provides the hardness you need. And I can imagine this is the, that the, they're working with. If you're going to make a sword out of this stuff, you have to look and see where the layers are. And you got to stay with the layers. You can't change the layers. If you change the layers, the sword won't be sharp. But ah. if, you, if you work with the layers, it will, yes, it will have a, it will have a, literally a one carbon white edge. And be as hard as diamond. <clears throat> Ooh, okay. This is Bruce Sheffer saying, there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying, keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav.
1: There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
0: Yo, brothers. This was the TriTech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.